1: My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. and We are honored that you've chosen to make Worshipping With Us part of your Christmas celebration. I want to welcome all of those out in Prescott Valley, as well as those online. So grateful to have you with us this morning. And whether you're ready or not, Christmas is here. Yeah. Uh, we um, Many of us, like, in this room would say, like, thought we'd never get here, right? I'm guessing most of those are under 17, Right, I know for some of you that 17 and below was in the rear view a long time ago, but just try to go back there for just a moment. Do you remember what it was like being a kid waiting for Christmas? Like it just seemed to take forever. I even remember being, um, I, got two, I got two siblings, an older brother and an older sister, and our sister, we all shared a bathroom, and she would take forever in the bathroom. And I would say things like, you're as slow as Christmas, like, it, there was a season where Christmas just seemed to take forever. Now, if you're, like, over 30, you definitely don't say that anymore, right? Because Christmas now, when you are a kid, it took forever, and it's like, when will Christmas ever get here? Once you're over 30, it's like, didn't we just do that? It just seems to come all the time at this point. But as a kid, it just it just took forever. You wait all year for Christmas to be there, and then my family, you'd get to about Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving was when we'd gather all the family, and you'd have to deal with the people you didn't like to, I mean, didn't see very often, and so that was kind of like the precursor. You knew it was getting close when you go back and see the Thanksgiving family, and you knew it's just, I got a month to go, and so the next few weeks, you're just trying to get to the end of school. And then by the time school lets out, you're like, I I only got one more week. School lets out. But that week of letting school out and then Christmas Day, that week is like the longest week of all the weeks because you're stuck at home. There's nothing to do. It's just reruns of old Christmas movies. And you're looking at the tree and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And that week just seemed to crawl by. There is built-in Christmas, this sense of anticipation, of waiting, and, and what is it that you're anticipating? What is it that you are waiting for? Present. Presence, that's right. It's exactly right. Somebody said Jesus earlier. I said, no, you weren't. You weren't waiting on, you did not, no. You weren't waiting on Jesus, you were waiting on them presents. That's what you were waiting on. Because you just wanted that thing, that thing you were longing for just to be under the tree. And you were just waiting and hoping. Do you remember the anxiety just waiting and wondering and hoping and praying and begging that that thing you wanted would end up under the tree? And you'd make a list and you'd drop hints to anybody and everybody. You'd send a letter to Santa and to your granny and to the creepy old guy across the street. Because you didn't care where it came from. As long as the thing that you wanted ended up under The tree, like Christmas at one time for all of us, when we were kids, it just came with this anticipation. It created this sense of longing in us. And what what I want to share with you today is that that anticipation has been part of the Christmas story from the very beginning. So today, if you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn them on, turn them to Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two. I wanna share a part of the Christmas story that often gets skipped, okay? Uh, if you ever hang out at the the courthouse square on Christmas, they read the beginning of Luke chapter two, but there's a part of the story at the end of Luke chapter two that nobody ever talks about. So I wanna dive into that today. So this part of the story comes after the trek to Bethlehem. It comes after the baby in a manger. It comes after the angels and the shepherds. In fact, it occurs a few weeks after Jesus was actually born. But I think it's kind of like the bow on the gift that is the Christmas story. And we find it at the end of Luke chapter 2. And it, it surrounds a guy named Simeon. A guy named Simeon. And here's what we're going to learn. Simeon knew what it meant to wait. Let's dive in. It says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses... Joseph and Mary took him, meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So let me help set the context for you. This scene takes place in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This was about five miles away. Jerusalem was a big city and had the big temple courts. And, and what would happen, according to Jewish law, the firstborns of every womb belonged to the Lord. It was to be given to the Lord. And this is whatever womb, the womb of a cow or a goat or an ox, even a person, the firstborn male of every woman's womb was to be consecrated, given over, presented to the Lord. There's a principle in here that God deserves our first and our best. They belong to the Lord. So that was the way God set it up. So you would bring those as a gift to the Lord. Now, God didn't actually want mothers and fathers to give over their children to God, but he did want to understand that all the first belong to me. And so I'll give you an opportunity, you can buy them back. Like you can offer something in, replace, in, repl- uh, in place of your firstborn. So you would redeem your firstborn from the Lord. And so you bring your child, firstborn, and redeem them. And the, the gift, the sacrifice that you were supposed to offer in place of the firstborn was to either be a lamb But if you could not afford a lamb, there was a stipulation that you could bring, if you were poor, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. We find it in Leviticus chapter 12, where the law says, but if she, meaning the mother, cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons. Ever wonder what the two turtle doves were all about that we sing about? Right here. It was a sacrifice that was brought to the temple to redeem Jesus. Actually, I just made that up. That's not actually, it's not true. It's not true. But it's cool, right? Now, every time you hear that song, you're going to think of that. So that's the backstory. So Mary and Joseph, I've gone to the temple. They're about to consecrate Jesus. That's the backdrop of why they are in Jerusalem. And while they're there, they meet a guy named Simeon. Now there was a man named uh, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a right who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So, here's what we know about Simeon: he was righteous, and he was devout. He was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was on him. And lastly, here's what we know. He was waiting. He was waiting. And what was he waiting for? The text says he was waiting for the constellation of Israel, which is a weird phrase. Like, of all the things that we see plastered around on Christmas, this doesn't ever make it. Like, you've never seen that on a coffee cup. The coming of the consolation of Israel. No, you've never seen that. What does it even mean? Well, simple. The word consolation means to bring or to give comfort to someone. Like, when, when someone has, someone you know has lost a loved one or has gotten a difficult diagnosis, what do we do? We console them. We console them. Consolation means to to console someone, to give comfort to someone, to give hope to someone. It means to bring comfort when someone is hurting or hopeless. It's bringing encouragement to someone who's going through a difficult season. When someone has lost someone, we console them. Now, the truth is, consoling someone, bringing consolation to someone, does not change any of their circumstances right? If somebody has lost a loved one, you consoling them does not bring their loved one back. Someone's received a difficult diagnosis, you consoling them does not make the diagnosis go away. But what it does is it gives them hope that something better's coming. When we're consoling them, we're trying to help them know that I know it's dark right now, I know it seems hopeless right now, but there's better days ahead. That's what it means to console someone. And that's what Simeon is waiting on. He's waiting on the consolation for the comfort of God to come into his people, his people who are hurting and hopeless. He just is waiting for God to say, there's something better coming. There's light on the horizon. I know it's dark right now, but it won't always be like this. I have a plan. I haven't forgotten you. I've got you. Simeon is waiting. On the constellation of Israel, And he's waiting because the Holy Spirit had told him, "You'll see this before before, you're, before you've died." Now, I think his waiting is probably worse than our waiting. See, because when, we, when we're waiting for Christmas, we know we can always pick up a calendar and flip to the end. And point to the date. It's always going to be December 25th. We know when it's coming. We're never more than 364 days away from Christmas. We know when it's coming. But Simeon doesn't know. He doesn't know. He doesn't know when his waiting is going to be over. He has no idea. He knows before I die, I'll get to see the thing that I've been waiting on, but I not don't know when that's going to be. By this point, we're led to believe that Simeon is an old man, and I just wonder, how long has he been waiting? When was it revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he'd see the Lord's Messiah? Was it when he was in his 20s, 30s, 40s? How long has it been? A decade? Two? Three? Four? We have no idea. We just know he's been waiting. He knew that he was going to get to receive this gift of seeing the Lord's Messiah, but we he has no idea when, and month after month, and year after year, he's just waiting and waiting and waiting, and nothing happens. For him, it's kind of like Narnia. Always winter and never Christmas. He's just waiting, and he has no idea when it's going to be over. That was Simeon's life. Until... Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. I like to just always play these out in my mind. Imagine there's this moment, right? The Holy Spirit says, hey, wake up. Today's the day. Go. Go. And Simeon gets up, and he goes to the temple, and the temple's huge, by the way, if you've never been, you should. It's a, the temple mount is huge. Hundreds of thousands of people can fit on it. I imagine Mary and Joseph, and they're walking across the temple mount, and there's people everywhere, and they're small town people, and this is a big city place, and all of a sudden, Mary notices somebody noticing her. Many of you ladies have been there. She notices somebody is noticing her. And she looks over and there's this wide-eyed guy and he's, he's all excited and his eyes are bulging. He comes, he starts walking in their direction and he gets faster and faster as he's coming over and she freaks out and steps on the other side of Joseph hoping he'll protect her, but he doesn't. He gets pushed out of the way. And the next thing we know, Simeon grabs this week's old baby from Mary's arm. She, he lifts up this, he grabs the baby from the mom. Who does that? Simeon does. And he, he bursts out and begins praising God. And this song or hymn or psalm, whatever we want to call it, there's a name for it. It's called the Nunc Dimittis. It's actually Latin that means you can dismiss. You can dismiss. That's what this phrase means. And the reason we call it you can dismiss is because that's part of Simeon's prayer. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. "'For my eyes have seen your salvation, "'which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, "'a light for revelation to the Gentiles "'and the glory of your people Israel.'" So the day has finally arrived for Simeon, the gift that he'd been longing for, praying for, waiting for, has finally arrived. And with his own eyes, he says, "'I have seen your salvation.'" I think it's interesting that he doesn't say this baby will bring salvation. It's not what he says. He says, this baby is your salvation. Simeon's wait was over. He sees the consolation of Israel. He's holding him in his hands. And again, this wasn't a moment that the the circumstances of God's people changed. Nothing's changed. In fact, nothing would change for another 30 years until Jesus is revealed as the Son of God. He's just a baby. Nothing would change for 30 years, but it didn't matter. Everything had changed for Simeon because he has seen the Lord's salvation. It changed for him. This was God revealing to Simeon, light is on the way. Hope has arrived. Things are going to be different. I know it's dark right now, but it's going to be okay. I've got you. I've got a plan. It's going to be okay. And in an instant, in an instant, Simeon's anxiety, it was gone. As he proclaims to the Lord, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. And when he says dismiss, he's not saying you can send me out of the room. Saying you can, I can die. I'm good to go. You can take my life. You can You can bring me out of this world. You can dismiss me because now I've seen your salvation and I know it's going to be okay. And the good news is that the, that the consolation of Israel was not just for Israel. Simeon makes it very clear. He goes, this salvation that my eyes have seen, it isn't just for Israel. In fact, you've prepared it in the sight of all nations. This is a light of revelation for, for the Gentiles. Not just for the Jews. Like all people for the Jewish mind fit into two categories. You were either Jewish or you were Gentile. Everybody fit into one of those two categories. And Simeon says, this salvation is for all nations. It's light for even the Gentiles. This is not just the consolation of Israel, but for all people. For all people. This is a a light of salvation that's it's going to be for the Americans. It's going to be for the Koreans. It's going to be for the Mexicans and the Filipinos and the Italians and the Chinese and the Sudanese and the Palestinians. Like, this is for everybody. To the ends of the earth. No doubt Simeon understood what Isaiah 49 verse 6 says. It is too small a thing for you to to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That God's salvation was meant for everybody, including you, including all of those that you don't think actually could make it in. This salvation is for everybody. In verse 33, says, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about it, to which I think, I imagine they did. Like this crazy Simeon has just come over and grabbed their baby and said, this is the Lord's salvation to the ends of the See, what we're celebrating this weekend is not just the story of a baby in a manger. What we're celebrating is the arrival of salvation for all people to the ends of the earth. And yet, like Simeon, we're waiting. We're not waiting for the Messiah to come. We are waiting for the Messiah to come again. We're waiting for the salvation that Jesus began in Bethlehem. We're waiting for that salvation to come to its final fulfillment. We're waiting for the salvation that we get to experience in part. We're waiting for that salvation to come to completion when Jesus comes back. We're waiting. We're waiting for the day when not only will we be forgiven, we're waiting for the day when we will no longer need to be forgiven. We are waiting for the day when we won't just get to see God's, feel God's presence, but we will actually get to see God's face. We are waiting for the day when death will be obliterated forever and be thrown into the very pits of hell. We are waiting on the day when those godless desires in us, those desires that we don't actually want, that we despise, but we can't get rid of them. We're waiting for the day when those godless desires will be gone forever and will be replaced with perfect fidelity to our God. We are waiting for the day when fear will be eradicated, where anxiety no longer exists. We are waiting for the day when all police and all soldiers, when all doctors and therapists and pharmacists and judges and lawyers and even pastors will be put out of business forever. We are waiting for the day when all relational strife will end. We are waiting for the day when the illnesses that plague our bodies and our minds will be forever healed. Well, there'll be no more cancer or depression, no more pain or psychosis, no more cavities or trauma or heart disease or dementia, but we'll have minds and bodies that perfectly reflect its creator who is and was and is to come. We are waiting. We're waiting like Simeon because we don't know when that day is going to come. But we're waiting with the hope knowing that because God sent his son, not just to Bethlehem, but to the cross, that we can be certain that he will send Jesus back to finish what he started. And my hope is, for those of you who are in Christ Because we have already experienced so much of His grace that we can say, like Simeon, you can dismiss me in peace. Like I don't have to see the end to know it's coming, I don't have to experience it to believe it. I've experienced enough and I. Choose to praise you even in the waiting. What Simeon, what's amazing about Simeon to me is we're told that he is devout and he is righteous even in the midst of the waiting. He knew he would see the Lord's Messiah with his own eyes. And I just need to remind you today so will you. You will get to see the Lord's Messiah with your own eyes. That's a promise. Christmas is not just a story about a baby in a manger. Ultimately, it's a story about a king on a throne that one day we will all bow down before him. the good news is we don't have to wait until that day to give him the worship that he deserves. So today, we want to choose to worship him even in the waiting. So I'm going to invite you right now, would you stand with us and let's sing out our praise and overflow with worship to the Lord, even in the midst of our waiting. Father, we are grateful that you've sent your son. And what he started when when he first arrived, he's going to finish when he comes back. That we're going to get to experience our salvation in a fullness that we can only dream of. But we believe it. So even now today, we choose to lift up our praise and to worship you.